0: talking this over with somebody uh, earlier earlier this week and I posed that question and I got a, a look on their face it was kind of like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? What is our sense of God's fairness? Human nature right? We, we want to get what's coming to us. We want what we deserve. We want what we've worked for. We want what we think we've earned. We have a sense of entitlement to And we can't help but compare ourselves to others sometimes, or a lot of the time. And sometimes we do it really outwardly and in the open, and it's kind of ugly, right? And sometimes we do it internally, even if we're putting on a veneer on the outside, we're still doing it internally, and we're battling with those thoughts. Even if we know that they might not be God's best thoughts for us to be thinking, we still wrestle with them if we're being honest with ourselves, You know, at a very simple level, we might see it at school or in families with kids. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, that's not fair. (laughs) Or there's some sense of injustice due to a lack of perceived equality between two of my offspring. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was happening in the pew this morning. He has more space than I do. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) right i think that's what god does with us sometimes the holy face palm you know (laughs) know, over the years in our family you know we've tried to incentivize the carrying in of firewood have you ever tried that you know i mean we've tried different methods of of things and and we've tried you know um, is it you that said a nickel a piece and I was horrified? Mm-hmm. It's like, that's going to be expensive. There's a <laughs> cord of wood out there. No. <laughs> uh, you know, or, you know, Noah will have to carry in 50 pieces and Evie only has to carry in six. Uh, How is that fair? <laughs> uh, and then we always say something like, well, fair is not always equal. Don't you hate that line that is used against you? <laughs> Uh, how on earth does all this relate to us? How, how is the story of Jonah and Nineveh in our lectionary today at the same time as this parable of the workers in the vineyard? And how do we see ourselves in the life of Jonah? And how do we see ourselves in the parable in the Gospel of Matthew today? What would happen in the church if God moved in a really mighty way? Some would rejoice and be really excited, and others would leave. Now before you say, wait a minute, (laughs) if God was moving in a mighty way, why would anybody leave? We only have to take a look at Jonah's reaction to God's moving in a mighty way to see how it might be offensive to some and cause them to leave. You know, we might have complaints about the influx or type of people that are coming into the church, the sinful habits that they bring, or there might be a threat to our individual power inside the church. Um, There might be accusations of a lack of authenticity or maybe divisions between, you know, the old guard and the new guard rather than being one whole family together. These perceived divisions and things like that. This happens in churches, believe it or not. Um, concerns about changes that might affect our personal comfort in worship or worship styles when things change. So, when God moves in a mighty way, sometimes it gets in our face and challenges us and confronts us. Have we ever said to God, either in our lives or at home or in our, in our work, our job, or in the church. Hey, that's not fair. I've put my time in. I've been here longer. I've earned that place. And someone else was put in that position, or in that role of stewardship, and it stinks. And I'm mad about it. doesn't seem right. The scripture lessons today are dealing with the very nature of God in dispensing grace, mercy, and forgiveness in the kingdom of God and as God sees fit. So, you know, let's start with Jonah. It's a familiar tale, right? Uh, we're probably more familiar with the earlier part of Jonah's story, uh, right? Jonah and the whale. right? There we go. Yep. Some of us are envisioning veggie tales in our minds right now, you know. <laughs> But there's a lot in this account that is in relation to human nature and God's way of highlighting how differently he approaches us in our humanity and in our need for grace and mercy. So, by way of just sort of recapping, first, Jonah runs, right? He doesn't want to do what God tells him to do. He runs, he hides, uh, lots of things happen. And when Jonah finally does do what God told him to do, it's so effective that they actually repent, (laughs) right? And instead of Jonah saying, yeah, team God, (laughs) this is great. Look what happened. You know, I followed what you asked me to do and they repented. The evil Assyrians repented. Jonah actually gripes to God. He complains about the effectiveness of the mission to Nineveh, and he's angry that they received grace and mercy. He's incredulous about it. And his humanity, his pride, his reputation, his own tendency to covet something that is not his own, and his own sinfulness, even as a prophet, is all showing and getting in the way. God doesn't smite Jonah. It could be argued God extends very much the same grace to Jonah that he did to the Ninevites and says, is it right for you to be angry? Asks him the question. He's basically saying, check yourself before you wreck yourself, Jonah. You know? (laughs) Um, And then God, at his own will, appoints a bush to shade him to try to assuage his discomfort, and then God appoints a worm and takes the bush away, right? We're probably thinking, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And then there's this east wind and then the sun beating down, but God's point was not cruelty, but was to teach Jonah, you are concerned about that bush that you didn't even labor for, You had nothing to do with its growing. It was me, by the way, Jonah. And should not God be concerned about all those people who needed to repent and find grace and mercy and forgiveness? And here Jonah is more upset about the bush. (laughs) It all belongs to God, and it's up to God how to manage his own grace and mercy and how to give it and how to hand it out and how to distribute things. So Jonah cares more about the plant than he cares about the people. And bottom line, Jonah refused to see these Assyrian sinners in the way that God did. Even though he was a prophet, even though he had the message, and even though he saw God move mightily, he was upset about it. God saw these people as worth saving, even though they didn't deserve it. we are challenged to see others the way God does and to extend the same grace to them which we have received or we find ourselves in the same place, being like Jonah, sitting there, complaining to God, brooding over our bruised ego. Likewise, in the Gospel lesson today, it's a part of a series of parables about the kingdom of God. Okay, if you go back and you look at the order of things in the Gospel of Matthew there, this is one of a few parables that are addressing the kingdom of God and the nature of the kingdom of God. And similar to some of the parables around it, it's ending with, last will be first, and the first will be last. So you get this, this um, landowner, and he's hiring workers, right? Right? The day uh, for them would have started around 6 a.m., so when it says early in the morning, it really was early in the morning, okay? And they would work about 12 hours and then get paid at the end of the day, about 6 to 6. And so he hires these people in the morning to work and then partway through the day and then partway through the day and then at the end of the day, hires for the last hour of work. And, you know, the background on this, this would have been familiar to the hearers of the parable because... Um, there were large groups of people who needed work, who had been displaced from the lands that they had ancestrally worked because they couldn't pay the Roman taxes. And then the Romans would displace them from their land, take their land. And uh, even though um, it was against the rules uh, you know, for the Israelites to have people be taken off property that they were working and taking care of. The Romans didn't care about that. So you had a group of people standing around. They didn't have land to work. They needed work. And so uh, you've got this landowner that is a vineyard owner that hires people and does this, right? So <clears throat> you got this, this group of people. There's the ones who started early and the ones who started later and at the end of the day and then at the end of the day when it's time to get paid, isn't it interesting that the ones who started last get paid first (laughs) God does things differently than we do right the way that he handles things it it goes against our sense of things sometimes but it doesn't do us much good to argue against God like Jonah did (laughs) Because God's just going to say, what right do you have? It's mine to give. Right? I wasn't unfair towards you. I gave you what we agreed upon. Just like these first workers that came in at the beginning of the day. So imagine you've got the ones that worked all day. They're hot. They're sweaty. They're gross. They're tired. And they are watching these people who came in at the end of the day. And they're getting paid the same amount that was agreed upon. So some of them, imagine the scene, they're standing around, some of them are saying, wait a minute, they're getting the same money, what's up with that? And then someone else in the group might say, whoa, they only worked an hour, we are making bank today, you know, we worked 12, <laughs> you know, and they may have been saying, yeah, give, him, give him a minute, he's always been fair, let's see what happens here, and then, when they get the same, what an uproar, right, I mean... It was probably a pretty pretty interesting scene that Jesus was trying to uh, describe in this parable. And then the landowner says, Am I not allowed to do what I want? Did I not treat you with what I said I would at the beginning? Am I not allowed to be generous? Is what I have not mine to give as I see fit? So as we are invited to see ourselves in, in parables... And to see our nature, you know, we could be coveting what God has given, be it to, be it to uh, you know, others, be it houses, lands, spiritual gifts, place and position, respective peers. But what is really at stake in the kingdom of God is not all that stuff. It's grace and forgiveness in the kingdom of God that is found in Jesus Christ. We might not be laborers in a vineyard but we are all co-laborers in the kingdom of God. And the more nuanced issue that we may have with our covetousness is not necessarily that, that they get more than we do, but that they get the same as we do, and we perceive that they have done less or don't deserve it as much as we do we tend to judge others' worthiness to receive the same that we have. They're less worthy. They're late arrivals. They're worse sinners. They just irritate us. They don't do as good a job as us. Yet, they are as forgiven as we are. Receiving the same wage of grace and mercy in the kingdom of God. Because of this, We might tend to covet God's power to forgive and to control, at least in our own hearts, who is forgiven and how and how much. This comes across in our attitudes towards one another, how we treat them internally or externally, how much patience and grace we may or may not extend to them. The last are literally the first to be paid. How is that fair? There's that concept again. Fairness. Fair. It's not fair. (laughs) Reminded of the the thief on the cross. Consider how the disciples who were there at the crucifixion might have felt or what they, they might have thought. I mean, outside the fact that Jesus is hanging there on the cross in front of them. Um. But this thief, he didn't walk with Jesus, right? He didn't log the long miles, hiking through the the desert. He didn't see the 5,000 fed. He didn't have to wrestle with the fact that there wasn't enough, but there was this miracle that that did it. He didn't have to question, ask all these hard questions of his own faith. He He didn't have to experience the uncertainty of leaving everything behind leaving their father with the boat and the nets and sacrificing everything to follow Jesus for those years that they had. Uh, He didn't have to experience seeing Jesus' betrayal and arrest and being afraid that they were going to get caught up in that net too. He hadn't put in his time. And yet, here he is. In his last breaths, and in the very last hour of his proverbial work day, his life, being received into the kingdom, hearing beautiful words of assurance that he did not deserve. Fairness from God is getting what we deserve. And none of us really wants that. Fairness from God is eternal separation from Him for our sinfulness. It's hell. It's because of our rebellion against God and our sinfulness. We should not be crying out to God for fairness, but for grace and mercy. We are equal recipients of God's grace and mercy. And we are often covetous and jealous when those same gifts are given to others in the same measure. So lest we become like Jonah or those complaining workers, we need to pray that God will help us to see others with his eyes rather than our own. David Platt puts it this way, God doesn't owe us salvation for something we have done. He gives us salvation despite everything we have done. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, grace and mercy and forgiveness found only in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for giving Jesus what I deserved and for giving me what I did not deserve in the abundant grace and mercy and forgiveness of Christ.